This is Sovereign Independent Radio on UWS Community Radio and the International Community Radio Network. Breaking the truth. Welcome to Sovereign Independent Radio. Um, tonight's guests are Alan Watts of Cutting Through the Matrix. Uh, we also have Brian Gerrish of the UK Column. And later on, um, we're going to run a bit over time and have Tony Fowle the ex-police intelligence analyst who recently came out and, and said the biggest threat of terrorism was coming from the British government. Um, I'd like to wel- welcome Alan Watts from Canada on the phone. Are you there, Alan? I'm there, yep. Hi, hi. And Brian? Yes, hi. Yep. Um, for those, um, it, it's, um, it's quite surprising, Alan. Um, we meet a lot of people in the so-called truth movement and we, you know, we mention your name and it's, it, it's quite surprising how few people actually actually know about you and we try and point them in your direction because you know the information you put out is is solid you know and um backed by documents and all the rest of it and um so for those out there who haven't heard you before do you, do you want to just explain how you how you started out on this journey as it were and um yeah what yeah. you do now sure well i should really say that um i grew up in scotland and uh I knew from a very early age that things were just plain wrong. And um, I also re- realized too we're in a regimented system, even in school, and everything's regimented from the government all the way down. And I kept wondering why uh, we got this wonderful history of conquering different countries. And then I looked around me and, and I, I thought, you know, very few folk in, their, in this country uh, the, the, the really own their own homes. Uh, everybody was scuffling for rent money, uh, even the economy was, was rigid. You found that the same starting wages for even tradesmen across the country were pretty well the same, minimum. Uh, right from north to south, it was just the same way. And I realized you're in a fixed economy. This was designed this way. And the guys at the top that do all the statistics and so on knew darn well just how much it would take the average family to live and pay their rents and, and so on and get to work and feed themselves, and, and no more, basically. So it was a fixed economy. And I got into the history books, of course, to find out how the money system was run, and that's when the shocker came to find out, uh, literally, that you're, you're run by private banks, and uh, government borrows from private banks with compound interest. And once you're into that cycle, uh, from then to the present time, uh, it, you can't get out of it. It's compound interest, and that keeps a small minority not only in control of the money, but the guys in control of the money are in control of the whole country. Today, it's international. You've got a small group of people uh, literally running the world and using NATO uh, as, their, as basically as their heavy, who go into countries, bomb them out of existence, and then the mates of the, the guys who are the, the major bankers they end up uh, getting all the freebies, the oil, the diamonds, the gold, and the mineral rights, just like they did in Yugoslavia. So, so it's, it's astonishing. We're run really by a private gang who set up a long time ago uh, to take over the world. This is documented. It sounds crazy. But you go into the writings of Cecil Rhodes, and he basically outlined the whole agenda. And then his group merged with the Lord Milner, Society. Lord Alfred Milner was actually German, and uh, he was a banker, uh, international. And a bunch of international bankers formed, with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Sounds awfully uh, legitimate, sounds very governmental. It certainly has a royal charter to exist. But these guys uh, followed on with the same tradition to use Britain as the embryo uh, to take over the world, already had an empire, and they, they wanted to carry on and get the whole world under this particular system. Not to help the people, by the way, um, but to hire mainly people from the best universities, mainly Oxford, old families, and to, have, uh, to, to run it like a secret society. And uh, Cecil Rhodes actually said this, we must copy the Jesuit techniques of secrecy uh, like a secret society, because the public shouldn't know what we're really up on about, what our business is. And uh, these guys fomented wars back in the late 1800s in their own writings um, uh, written, well, actually, going to the the historian for the group, uh, Professor Carl Quigley, who had their archives there, he got got the archives from Zimmerman, 
Zimmerman was a communist. He was the main communist of Britain. He had the main com- he was the editor of the main communist papers. He was also assistant secretary to Winston Churchill. And then you start to see all these strange associations with people that you never expect to be associated with, like uh, Zimmerman and Churchill, because Churchill were told hated communists. Well, why was, was his best advisor, his main advisor, uh, a communist uh, who wanted world empire too? And then quickly goes on to say, we work with communists, we work with fascists, we work with people across dictators. And he said, um, eventually we'll have to bring the United States into this, which they did um, in the 1920s. They formed the Council on Foreign Relations. And that's just the same branch as the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They're a private group. At the top, you have the top banking families. And um, they're taking over all resources. That's what Cecil Rhodes said. We have to take over all the resources and the wealth of the entire planet. And initially, they pretended to be benevolent dictators, in other words. Uh, they would share it properly. Properly. You don't understand what they mean by properly. Uh, less than 90% to themselves. But um, they're one of the biggest organizations in the world today. Every country has a branch of the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, all Each British Empire uh, country, the Commonwealth countries, have a branch uh, in their own country. Um, running the show, all, all working inside politics and outside politics to bring in a world government. It's not a nice, pleasant thing. They'll, they'll, they try to portray it as peace and all the rest of it, but it's really a form of domination. In fact, it's the worst kind of domination you can imagine because most people don't realize that war was declared on them a hundred years ago, and the war is, is, encapsulates and takes from the Communist Manifesto of the abolition of private property, uh, the abolition of the family unit, uh, the rearing uh, uh, and the moral giving to the children by the state. Uh, pretty well all of the Communist Manifesto has been accomplished at the end of the nation state. Well, that's happened too with the EU. So you realize that before even Cecil Rhodes was on the go, this other organization obviously um, was at work on the same agenda before they became the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and before they became the Lord Alfred Milner Foundation. They said, as I say, that they need a bigger country with more resources, more manpower, and a bigger tax base to, to finish the job off. And that's when they brought the United States into it. The United States' only job, only job, is to be the taxpayer for the United Nations, the enforcer for the United Nations and NATO. And once that's done... Uh, there'll be nothing left in America that they'll be absolutely bankrupt. They already are. But they knew this back in the 1930s when you read the Council on Foreign Relations um, memos from their meetings, their minutes of their meetings, they had annual meetings. They knew that America, towards the end of the 20th century and into the 21st century, uh, would be uh, basically bankrupt and it would maybe last another 20 years after it was declared officially bankrupt before it went under. But by that time, they would have forced the rest of the world under the same world system, and that's where we are today. So it's an ongoing agenda. Um, There are many facets to it. Uh, They have so many organizations under the United Nations umbrella. Uh, Most of them are private, non-governmental organizations, and they're backed by the parallel government. Maggie Thatcher called it the, the parallel government. When she retired, she said, um, now that I'm out of the limelight, she says, I belong to the parallel government. And this parallel government has more power than, than the elected government because we're not responsible to the people. She says, we can get the, the big job done. And she says, it's comprised, of, this organization is comprised of ex-prime ministers, presidents, and top bureaucrats who all know, already know each other, having been in office, and she said, we're not, we can get done, things done faster. That ties in with the main think tank for the, for the United Nations, which is the Club of Rome. And they wrote back in the 70s that democracy would not work. There were too many competing parties arguing for power, and therefore they'd have to go, to go into a post-democratic society, which is authoritarian. And that is the job, of course, of these, the Maggie Thatcher, the Bill Clinton types, and so on, the parallel government, that's what they're doing now. They, they're actually on, the, on the, 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 the trot all the time across the world, going to world meetings 
advocating unification of different parts. Now, the unification of Europe was first mentioned by uh, Karl Marx. He said, uh, we'll we'll split the world into three regions. He said, uh, first will be a European Union uh, under a parliament, which in turn would be under a super parliament of the world. That's the United Nations. He says, eventually the United States and all of uh, the Americas will come into an American uh, region and some of the Caribbean islands as well, which has happened. And uh, they've, been on, they've been pushing for this and integrating steadily now for 15, 16 years. And then he said after that, he says, we'll also have a, a Far East uh, block as well, a region with Australia, New Zealand, uh, China, Japan, uh, all put into the same block. And they would, these would comprise the main three trading blocks of the world. And they could keep expanding. And that's why you see the EU expanding and expanding. They also have an African block. And uh, these, these, these technically smaller blocks of larger countries like Africa will eventually be merged into the, the, the European Union as well. And there won't be the, block, the African block anymore. So this is the agenda. This is what we're living through today. It's a completely controlled society um, where... Science is supposedly uh, going to rule us all from birth to death under an authoritarian system. And if they don't want you born, you will not be born. You must be born simply if there's a task they need you for. Um, many of the writers that belong to this society have published their memoirs, like Bertrand Russell, who worked with the Frankfurt Group, who gave you your culture, because that was the whole culture industry which he was involved in. And that's the music industry, that's the, the movies, television, everything. That's where we get our culture from. We copy them like monkeys, unfortunately, and we adapt and, uh, to what we see. So we're going through a planned change. We have been for your whole life long, so are your parents. And you don't realize that the major wars we've gone through, even in the 20th century, were fomented and set up and designed from London by the Royal Institute of International Affairs because Quigley goes into that and he said even when they were fighting the Boers to take over South Africa because Cecil Rhodes Foundation, Milner, all the bankers wanted the diamonds and the gold they were, they'd been pressing already for 14 years with a war with Germany which they wanted to make into a global war and the hope of that was to bring out a, a United Nations or a League of Nations which they did that's what they did at the end of World War One. And they hoped by that time they would be so war-weary that every every country would be persuaded to give up its sovereignty and join the blocs. And they tried that, but nobody went for it. The public didn't want it. They liked their cultures. They liked their traditions. And so they went on the back burner for a while, and other members of the same group, like H.G. Wells, who was a propagandist for them, said in one of his own writings, we need another war. They're not ready yet. We need another war to bring them to their knees. And that's why they brought World War II along. We know from um, Professor Anthony Sutton and others who've gone into who financed Hitler and Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, it's the same conglomeration of bankers and these top uh, politicians belonging to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, which have been behind all the major changes throughout the 20th century and the present century. But what's amazing too is the wars we've had even you know, in the late 90s, let's say with Yugoslavia, the World Bank, which is part of the group, because eventually the World Bank has to get risen up to its top power, and along with the Bank for International Settlements. And that was also do- documented by Professor Quigley, who was a historian for this group. And uh, the IMF, uh, again, can drop their, their top power. The World Bank, back in the early 90s, published uh, what they wanted to get out of, say, Yugoslavia, Bosnia. And they had all the mines put down, uh, all manufacturing put down, and uh, they, they used NATO as a private army to go in there. And they, they bombed, just like they did with Iraq, they bombed all their infrastructure, all their food-making supplies, everything, water supplies, everything. And then, of course, the people were decimated. They came in under the United Nations and... Uh, they brought NATO in under Madeleine Albright, and then they divvied up the country to the, to the private bankers for the debt that Yugoslavia now incurred. And every part or small country that used to belong to Yugoslavia 
owes billions and billions and billions of never-ending debt to the IMF. So using economic power, which is a part of warfare, economics is the most important part of warfare, in fact. Uh, you bring every country under your thumb, technically your ownership. And the countries that are on the sidelines of war, like Canada, uh, we're still part of it because we're borrowing from the same private banks and uh, we're high, highly indebted to them uh, with compound interest, which is designed so that you can never get out of it. So that's basically what we're living through today. Um, the end of sovereignty, uh, the destruction of all cultures that previously existed. Uh, Tony Blair's right-hand man came out and said that in the, the British um, major media. He said that he was told to open the floodgates to the whole of the UK uh, in order to destroy forever the last vestige of British culture so they can never reappear in any form whatsoever. And that was mainstream, and nobody commented on it. Quite surprising. Hi, it's, it's interesting what you say about uh, Yugoslavia, because I've, I've driven through Serbia and Croatia on a number of occasions, and you, you see the infrastructure that's been built there since the war, obviously on borrowed money. I mean, the, the motorways and the, you know, all the new housing that's been built, all the rest of it. I mean, it's, it's all, you know, high-tech, modern. I mean, they have, they have better roads there than they have in Britain. And, uh, and, and the problem over there too is that they don't, they're not even allowed to have their own central bank, a private bank of their own. They're not even allowed that. Uh, they pay rent for everything. And it's all foreigners who own their, their, their land that they sit on, that the houses are built on, or they pay rent to. All the, all the companies that are left uh, are foreign owned. And because it's, they put you up on the auction block. And of course they already have their pre-designed um, buyers, selected buyers, because there's no such thing as free competition in this system. And uh, as I say, the World Bank even put that out uh, before they started bombing those countries in the first place. They knew the value of each mine. They knew the value of the land. They knew what they wanted to build after they blew down uh, millions of homes uh, and who would own them. Uh, they, they published their findings. Yeah, before it all happened. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, all, all, the, <laughs> all the all the petrol stations in the in Serbia are all uh, Russian-owned. So uh, yeah, you know, they don't, they don't seem to own anything. Um, mm-hmm. But um, going back to the UK and Ireland, I suppose we'll start there. Um, you you commented uh, a while ago on your own broadcast that um, you know Ireland was going to be taken down um, completely. And um, but somebody, somebody's commented here that uh, you, you maybe suggested that I, that idea had been changed. But um, what's, what's your feelings on, on what's going to happen to Ireland in the future? Well, Ireland definitely has to be taken down because this is a very old organization we're talking about. And um, their plan is very old. They say in the 1800s especially, lots was published on this. But you find the top economists uh, that are still quoted today uh, from that period like John Stuart Mill, and then his son of the same name, uh, they both said that certain cultures would never fit in uh, with a new order of things because they're so uh, that they, they don't like um, giving up rights and freedoms. And they had the Scots listed as one. They had the Irish as a second one. They had the American Indian down because he would not adapt into an economic uh, system where you work from 85 for a paycheck. And another one, too, uh, was uh, the blacks in Africa. This is, well, those who can mimic, these are the, wor- the words they used, those who can mimic the white man uh, and, and copy his structure will be allowed to come through into the new system. The rest of them, uh, they said, uh, cannot come through or they'll destroy the new system. So this is, again, Darwinian uh, as well. Darwin said a similar thing. He said those inferior types... Um, we'll bring down the superior types if we bring in a new system. Uh, so we're all, we're all basically being slated for either breeding out of existence, existence, which is an old Norman trick, by the way, if you go into your history books, uh, or um, uh, simply lots of folk will die off without getting married at all because there's a destruction of marriage. Folk uh, um, can get lots of sex, but they're having no children. And so uh, that was other way too. H.G. Wells also wrote a book uh, called The Modern Utopia, um, where he projected the system they would bring in after they had sterilized 
all the inferior types. He says, we, we, we weren't so bad as to kill them all at once. He says, we just sterilized them so eventually they died out. And uh, when we talk about these things, it sounds crazy to the folk who listen to the mainstream. You've got to understand that um, the mainstream is owned by this group. Your whole reality, in fact, your whole life long, is owned by this group. In fact, this group even publishes all your history books in every country for educational purposes, right up through, through university. And even Winston Churchill brought that topic up when he found out during World War II that this group had been highly manipulative in bringing about World War II. Uh, he brought it up in the House of Commons because he wasn't in the loop on that particular level at that time. And he said, it's, it's, it's astonishing to know that a small group of people based here, he says, in London, um, have been manufacturing the British history um, at that time, middle, middle of the war, manufacturing that from at least the, eight, the late 1800s and giving us false history as to the reasons why things happen uh, and teaching our children, our children from all schools, right up through university, um, uh, basically a false history of, of what actions have happened in history, why they happened, uh, and so on. Uh, and so he was really furious at it. He, he said they were so secretive in his time that they didn't even use the name that they went under, um, which was at the Royal Institute of International Affairs. That's the later name, name they adopted. Before that, it was called the Milner Group. Um, the junior workers that were put into politics and bureaucracy was simply called the Kindergarten. And that's in the book Tragedy and the Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment by Professor Carol Quigley, who again was the historian for this group. Yeah. Alan, if, I wonder if I could just ask you um, a question on, we talked a little bit about Ireland there. How, how do you see the UK at the moment? What, what do you think is unfolding here? Ah, well, the, the UK has to go into um, a very primitive lifestyle. Uh, when they're talking austerity, they're talking about poverty for most people. Uh, what I should add to this too, as the Professor Quigley said, the system they're bringing in is a new feudal system. And I think we all know what feudalism is. Uh, where your betters, the better types, the ones who come out of special wombs basically, uh, will be the ones who will uh, guide you from from birth to, to death. Uh, right through the system, if they need you, that is. And uh, quickly also said that the, the CEOs of major international corporations will be the new feudal overlords. Well, we see chunks of land being sold off under the guise of business and commerce in Britain and elsewhere to major international corporations. And, and eventually, like Karl Marx said, the nation state will wither away. He didn't add why he knew and how he knew uh, it, would be, it would wither away. Well, we're, we're going to find out because they're selling off big chunks of what was sovereign territory to foreign. That um, You can't even call them. They're not people. They're not nations. They're, they're, they're entities. They're fictional entities called um, international corporations. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to understand, too, that, that uh, um, you've, you've had a war on your culture uh, that was tried and failed, especially in Britain, in the 1920s. Uh, the 1920s was called the Roaring Twenties. They tried prohibition. They had their, their own versions in Britain where you had to go to the next town to get a drink if you wanted to. So that made, and that was intended to make uh, the booze cans, you know, the legal places, very exciting to youngsters, which it did. And um, they brought the minister in at the time, they gave them the Charleston, and they told them to go at it, free sex, free love. And something that, by the way, H.G. Wells was told to write about and promote from the late 1800s, believe it or not, in his books. And uh, so they brought it in the 1920s, but the fallout was too much. The, the venereal de- disease went rampant, there was no penicillin, um, unwanted pregnancies everywhere. That's when they opened up the massive orphanages across the U.S. and Britain elsewhere, the Boys Town type places. And um, so they couldn't cope with the fallout. So they went back to the, to the drawing board. And in the 1960s, uh, they, they, they brought it back more perfected. They gave them the pill at the same time. We had antibiotics for, for some of the venereal diseases. We uh, 
we were given um, abortions, free abortions, to take care of any problems. The state will take care of any problems for you. Uh, then the, the destruction of the family unit was all part of that. It was very, very successful. Decimated the, the population of Britain. And even in the, the official reports, as they shout about overpopulation, you'll see that Britain's been plummeting uh, from their official census, even in the United Nations, uh, since about the 1950s onwards, we've been plummeting uh, until, until the reason they give now for mass immigration, although it's not really for that, it's for two or three purposes. The reason they give is we need uh, the population, younger people to come in, and because no, none of the older ones have had any children. Well, they weren't having children because they were told to have free love and not to have children for years and years and years, male and female. Just have fun, play like children until you're 80 and die, you know. And uh, that's what they were doing. So now this is the excuse for massive population, but really as part of the total, as I say, the end of all culture uh, that will happen as all these people move in and take over and you're in the minority. As I say, they, they said they've got to destroy these cultures forever. And, and that was the assistant, Tony Blair, who said that. Yeah. And do, do you think we can do something about it? I'll, I'll tell you, we're so late on this that um, it would take something really extraordinary and powerful to change this. We've got to understand you've never had democracy. Democracy is a front, in fact, for this very group. It never ends up being what you think it is. Democracy, in reality, that we see is totalitarianism by bureaucracy. That's what it is. And international corporations hand in glove with them. Um, the saddest thing is that Bertrand Russell, who also worked for the same group, who was given lots of money by a royal charter, by the way, to do things that you would string up adults today for doing, he, he had a special school set up to find ways uh, of uh, promoting uh, pre-pubertal sex in children in the 1920s um, by encouraging them to have that at school and all kinds of sex as well. And he says the idea was to, to if they can have uh, promiscuity before puberty comes in and we hyperactivate them to think about sex all the time by constant repetition. He said that these children will never bond with a partner for their whole lives and probably never have a child. That was their goal. But what we're looking at today is, is the end product, the, the disaster of it all. It worked so well. And um, what you'd need now is more than just talking. What I do know, when I, when I look at the reality of the wars that are ongoing um, across the Middle East, for instance, that was uh, ongoing but when Clinton was in and then Bush was in and then the present one is in. It doesn't matter the front man. It's the same agenda with the same list of countries that must be taken out and then the big banking boys uh, move in and take over all the resources. We're seeing one after another our whole lives long uh, go under in this fashion. These guys are not going to give up. They're using, as I say, NATO like a private army for, for thievery and robbery, you know and depopulation big time of their enemies. They're not going to give up because you ask them. They won't do it. It's not going to happen. I've watched an internal army built up of of so-called policemen in some countries that are not like the policemen I used to know. You don't walk up to the present policeman and ask them for the time. He might shoot you, you know. Uh, so they built up internal armies over the last 25, 30 years in preparation for what's to come because we're dealing with long-term planning here. Uh, just like at businesses too, inter- especially international businesses, they do their long-term investments, takeovers and all. they got all planned for the next 50, 75 years. Well, these guys are the same boys who plan our futures and um, they will not just walk away because we tell them that, that they're not nice people. And this is not democratic. It's not going to happen. They know they're going to bring down the final crashes. This to get us to our knees. They, they've told us they're going to bring in uh, food rationing across the world. You've got to go into the United Nations. There's a front group for the main group that's based in London. That's what all the United Nations is. And go into their different departments. Look into the Department for Agriculture, Food and Agriculture. Uh, 
there was a woman at the time who was the CEO of that department. She said that food was too important to be left to farmers and that corporate farming only, international large, massive corporate farming, uh, was the only way they were going to go. And she says the day will come when we will be responsible, the United Nations, for dis- distributing the, the world's food supply to each region across the planet. She says this will have the added um, uh, influence on population control, she says, because we shall not up the quotas. In fact, we'll bring the quotas down. And it's up to each region then to find ways to bring their population down. That's their problem. And it's funny that because only last week I got a, a mainstream media, they, they said again, the same thing was said again. The United Nations must eventually take control of all the whole world's food supply and ration it out equally among, amongst the people across the world, just like we're now into the Communist Manifesto part of the redistribution of wealth. Why would they mandate the redistribution of wealth when you, you, you've never been taxed so much in your life, you've been through bank crashes, national bank failures, and now they go ahead to redistribute your wealth, your tax money across the world. It doesn't go to the poor countries. It goes to the big corporations, international boys who set up bases in those countries. But regardless, if, you, if you're stone broke, why would they start? Well, you see, they must fulfill uh, this, this agenda. It's a, a plan. It's a holy plan, by the way. I think folks should understand this. This isn't just a little club here of very rich people that just have a, a, a penchant for power. Uh, this is a religion here that's behind this. And you'll notice that everything is coming through law. Law after law after law. No matter how crazy the law seems, it's all done by law. So you're into a very old society uh, that does long-term planning, that admits in its own writings that it's used uh, communism, capitalism, uh, socialism, uh, dictators, uh, tyrants even. And they don't care who they, they mix with and use. Uh, to get their, their own long-term mission accomplished. So uh, they're not going to back off, and, and it's going to take an awful lot of struggle. I know in the U.S., uh, just a few days ago there, some uh, major media were picking up on Brzezinski's statements that there's going to be mass riots in Britain, uh, in the U.S. So the U.S. is the same way. 2001 had nothing to do with terrorists, because every government across the planet went into action with the same agenda at the same time. That never even happened when Pearl Harbor happened in World War II. So, you've got to understand, this took years and years of planning beforehand with treaties and counter-treaties, and they go back for review and back. It takes many years for to get all countries on board with the same agenda, the exact same agenda of total surveillance on every citizen from birth to death. And every country jumped into the same action plan at the same time with the same, the same, or the same treaties. That took years of planning. In the U.S., in academia, the so-called, so-called left-wing liberal guys, the professors, were pushing for the century of change for the latter part of the 20th century, talking about the millennium. And they said the millennium would kick off the century of change. And by that they meant total liberalism. And you've got to understand what they, what they mean in the U.S. by liberalism is not what most folk think of. It's not splashing more ketchup on your French fries, you know. And uh, they, they said that um, it would take a Pearl Harbor event to kick this off. And that was from the New American Century group that were backing Bush at the time. It doesn't matter who the front men are. It's the same people behind it each time with each president. Alan, there's, yes. there's, um, I, I agree with all the, um, the points that you've run through. And I'm just thinking for lis- listeners out there, the, the, the major, one of the major difficulties is not that there's no evidence. There's just so much evidence that it's, it's difficult to package it sometimes, um, so that people can start to grasp it because it is a big thing. It's a very big thing. But it out is. there is, a huge amount of evidence, which you've obviously, you know, you've obviously, well, you know, you know off by heart. Um, but for other people, we can say that um, the moment you start looking, there's many other people who uh, many years before us have been digging into this and they've been writing and, 
and warning about what's happening. Um, I've, I've got a couple of books in front of me. I've got a soft spot for a guy called Commander Carr, who was uh, guy Carr, a Canadian. Yeah. And he wrote a book called uh, Pawns in the Game. And if you go through his book, it's, it covers everything that you've, um, you've touched on. And, of course, he was touring in Canada in the 1930s trying to warn people of what was building. Um, I've, I've got one of Christopher Story's books here. I've got Behind Communism by Frank L. Britton, which is a very good book. You can get that from uh, Bloomfield Books. And that, of course, is, is delving into an area that people don't often look at and many people don't like to go because it's, it's quite quite dark but it's saying well where did the communists come from and what it's starting to point out of course is that it was the same banking cabals that that created uh, the fascist problem so we know there's a lot of evidence out there but i th- i think at the moment that we've got something absolutely unique and the other side has given it to us and that's the internet and i look out the window at the moment and on one hand i can see I can see the beast that you're talking about is clamping down very quickly, but it's doing that in a more and more obvious way. And the other thing that's happening is that, that I believe the other side is starting to rush. And the reason it's rushing is because it knows that more and more people are starting to see the plan for what it really is. And, of course, the the Internet and modern media whether it's whether it's a phone or the mobile phone means that the message can go worldwide very quickly and i um if 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 you say what are these people frightened about or frightened of i agree totally when you say you can't just ask them to go away but something that they are completely terrified of is just exposure is enough people being able to see what they're doing. And if, if I focus just in on the UK at the moment, it's fascinating to watch how a, um, a chubby cabbage patch, as we known him, Prime Minister uh, Cameron, has gone from that, that um, unwrinkled, smooth-faced schoolboy to looking incredibly haggard and nervous and upset in the space of three days or, well, a week's media exposure. So I, I think that we're, we're, we're here on the show and we're helping people to see what's going on. But I've got to say, I'm actually getting very, very interested in the effect that we, and I mean that's a very big we, not, not just yourself, but all, all of the people who've been out there speaking and talking about what's happening, and other people who are passing messages on email and Twitter and the Internet, the message is coming out about what these people are doing. And It's coming it out. Also it's coming s- out. Sorry? Know, here's what we've got to watch for, though. And I realized this an awful long time ago, is that the world is planned by military strategy. And these guys at the top have had a long time, of, have a lot of practice in this stuff. Uh, down through centuries, actually. And they, um, they know what they want to do in stages, and they plan it, each part, what year it's going to happen, this is going to happen, that part's going to happen. But they also know, uh, and they're trained to do this by other ways, which I won't go into, but they, they know what the reactions will be in different segments of the population. And so they try and plan ahead to even give us heroes. And here's the thing people have to be very careful of. They try to give us heroes at times before they even start the operation that would create the need for a hero. And so they'll have someone in the, in the wings ready to take over. Uh, some of them talking to crazy stuff and, and that way it puts so many people off. So be careful. Again, don't just go all over outer space uh, when you hear this stuff. But the, but the other part is too, remember, they gave us the internet and they knew uh, what its effects were going to be. In fact, before they gave us the internet and the newspapers, they were talking about the coming information wars uh, before they gave us the darn thing. So they were already prepared for that too. Um, we've got to remember too, it gives them an instant pulse on the public on a daily basis. 
across the world. They know what we're chatting about. They try and guide us, of course, into the wrong places uh, now. But they know what we're chatting about. They know the mood of the people. And they know the danger, if there's a danger from the people as well. Um, they are at a crucial point, no doubt about it, because they must pull this off. And mainly because, as I say, they have a timetable. And uh, they must stick to the timetable. They're, they're really obsessional about timetables. And um, uh, But they're also ready, as I say, to take care of the worst things of all, and that's mass rioting. When ma- if mass rioting comes in, remember, a riot really, and they, c- they keep saying this in their own writings, the, they call it the mob effect. Uh, a rioter is not going by any plan. as someone who's basically screaming, yelling, and setting fire to his own cars in his own street. Um, and that happens when your back's against a wall and you're, you are on food rationing and you are broke. Um, what you have to have is organization. What we're up against here is a network across the world of very old families who are masters. They're, they're trained from childhood in this organization. They're part. This, these are the most organized people on the planet. In fact, we're living in their system. This is not our system. And when you realize this is not our system, even the, the, how the culture has changed, it's not even our culture. TV gave us the culture. M- music television gave us the culture. And, and their scientists gave us the rest of it. So we've got to realize that, that uh, you've got to have a basis to start from. And you've got to have uh, your own manifesto. They have theirs. You've got to have your, your own manifesto to start from too. And you need... To, to have, have numbers in the groups to stand up together, or they'll pick you off one at a time, which they're actually doing. And um, you've got to know where you're heading. That's the main thing. For all the talk radio uh, hosts out there, no one is coming out with what to do. You see? Well, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, because this, this um, word exposure is, is absolutely key. The, the plan that they've they've put together and, and I, I agree that we're looking at a network across the world, we're looking at some very powerful families and we know that they train and plan and they do all those sorts of things but the plan across the centuries has been hidden it's been specifically designed to be uh, hidden in the shadows or completely buried so that ordinary people couldn't understand what was happening to them. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's a covert plan. It was a covert plan. And if you, if you translate it across to military terminology, just, just to go in that direction, because it's a bit of fun for me, is that if you unleash a covert plan, and you might be doing quite well, but the moment the other side sees what you're doing, there's absolutely no point in being covert. You have to become overt, and then you have to do everything much faster because you're discovered. And every time there is a major hit at the moment on an individual or an organization where people really know what they're doing, you see the other side absolutely shudder. Because it's it's only to expose them that actually wins the battle. Because when enough people... And I think once you're on the, the thing about exposing them, you've got to keep at it, and even the same ones too. And you, believe you me, part of the problem is we've got so many to choose from. <laughs> well, well the other bit I was you know going this, to yeah. add is that I, I personally don't think we need a manifesto, because it's simpler than that. The other side is working in the shadows, or has been, and it's lies, it consistently lies in who it is, what it is, what it's doing, the world we live in. The whole ethos of the other side is lies. And our counter to that is not a manifesto, it's a single word, it's truth. Because if we if we publish the truth, if we get people looking at the truth and seeking the truth, you completely destroy what the, what the other side is doing. And the other magic for this, I don't like that word too much, but I've said it now, is, is that as, as you push forward the truth, you, you've never got to double check yourself because you know what you're saying is true, what the message is, and that is what brings the numbers on board. There's that, there's that old saying that a minority that's right soon becomes the majority. 
And I, I actually think that these families are very, very frightened at the moment because the change to only a few people knowing, sorry, from only a few people knowing to millions of people knowing what's going on could happen in, could happen overnight. It could certainly happen in the space of a few days. And once that message has gone worldwide, these people are finished because ordinary people just say no. And it, it, doesn't, matter, to, see, it doesn't matter which, which area you look into, if you go into the military or the police that you're talking about, inside the police force, they are not, even though we might not be too impressed by the British police at the moment, but it's totally wrong to say that the other side are in the majority, they're in the minority. So if you look for a solution inside the police or inside the military or inside um, politics or inside your local authority, all it takes is for the majority of good people to understand what's been, what's, what's actually being done to them. And then, then the whole thing is destabilized. It, it can't work. And I, 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 I know it's a massive battle going on, but I think the key point about UK is the seat of the power is in this country. Well, that's what I believe. I don't know whether you'd agree with that. And therefore, if that is true, if we do the right things in Britain, the rest of it is going to unfold across the world. And I think that started to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing, too. Remember, they will still uh, try and distract whatever you do. Uh, quickly too, by giving you another bank crash or something like that, or food rationing, that will come if they get their way. But God, to stop it all before it happens. That's, this is the key. Uh, we can't get to the stage where banks are against the wall and these, these big corporations, these big agra farm businesses have the, the world's food supply. I mean, they own most of it already and they can ransom us at any time. Blackmail is a great thing for them when you're on your knees. Uh, they can't go off in riots either. Um, because because you're, there's not, again no coordination to it, there's no purpose to it, and it's easily vanquished. But well, exposure is one thing, but it's getting harder in some countries to expose them actually by laws. Yeah, that's that's true. So I've just come back to the business that if if we are um, if we're in the business of fighting these people, um, well, you're, you're the other side of the water, but but for us for us here. It seems the UK is the place the battle is going to happen because this is actually the seat of the power. Yeah, and you're, you're further ahead with all the experimentation on society that they've done. Then, then we all copy what Britain does afterwards. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. But the other bit that I'm going to say I think um, has been a major brick out of the wall it's going to cause a real problem for these people, is to do with the behavioural control. I'm absolutely sure that at this stage, they thought they would be doing all of the meat of the plans you've talked about there with the food and the banking and riots and everything else. And while all that was going on, people would be totally, people would be totally unaware um, that actually they were, acting out of character, that their behaviour had been changed. And this was, again, a key part of a covert plan, that people would have their behaviour interfered with and modified. Um, they wouldn't know it. And that is that is exactly what the government has been saying in its behavioural change documentation, that either people would realise they'd been changed but didn't know how it had happened, or they wouldn't even realise their behaviour had been changed. Now, I I think this was a significant part of the package, and it's been upset because not only are people realising exactly how their behaviour has been changed and how it's being done, that this this knowledge, the wakening up of this on this, is is spreading very quickly. Well, but we've got to, um, but we've got to, as I say, push. It's a matter of constant attack, uh, and you, and again, not being distracted as they give you something to be. Because they're, again, they're masters at distracting us. Again, with very real things, the, the, the economy, um, the inflation, they can they can whack us with so many things at one time to throw us off. 
when 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 we're we're pushing hard, but you've got to stay stay on the track and, and keep pushing and and keep exposing all through that hard period, you know. Hello. Hi. Uh, sorry, my mic was off there. Um, I was going to say when, um, when Brian was talking about the exposure, um, I think in terms of the likes of Cameron, Clegg, or Ender Kenny and Ireland, I think I think we're only you know scratching the surface of, of exposing these people, and uh, they'll, they'll obviously be just sacrificed, and uh, they'll bring somebody else in who's who's looking squeaky clean again to to give people some kind of semblance of uh, normality again. But um, I, I kind of agree with Brian. I think uh, people are starting to see through that as well. Each each change of leader just brings more of the same. And I think I think that that exposure of, of people so quickly in their, their term of office, if you will, uh, it, it, it's starting to happen more rapidly uh, from the public point of view. And uh, you know, the longer that continues, because uh, the, longer, the, the quicker people realise that the whole political system it doesn't matter who gets in. Uh, they're all you know, following the same the same agenda, and it's it's becoming more and more obvious as as they they show themselves to be following the same agenda far quicker than you would normally have seen maybe 20 years ago with the kind of with it slowly. But now now they're actually coming in, and it's rapid. It's you know, and it's uh, it's continuing. There's no there's no let up in it. So so people are kind of taking the punches one after the other and uh, realizing there's something far wrong. Yeah, no. ah. yeah that, that was awful muffled my end. I don't know if uh, Brian got it. Or... Yeah, yeah, you were loud, loud and clear to me. I, I'm still having a, a job with Alan, though. He's he's very quiet. I'm still quiet, eh? Yeah. Did, did you hear okay. what I was saying? Anyway. Well, maybe we'll go to a music break and uh, try and get the connection back in. What I can do, I can try. I can try a different phone here and see if it helps, eh? Okay, well, we'll go to the piece of music and then we'll come back and try that. Okay? Okay. Okay, yeah. thanks, sir. 